If you will turn your Bibles to the book of Acts, we'll read from chapter 2, verses 43 through 47. The book of Acts, chapter 2, verses 43 through 47. And it reads as follows. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the, the apostles. And all who believed were together, and all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all, as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together, and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number, day by day, those who were being saved. Please be seated. Thank you, Scott, for the reading of the scripture today, and thank you, Brandon, for leading us in those beautiful songs, and we've had some beautiful singing, and we're very grateful for it. Thank you, thank you for your participation in our worship in such a fine way. If you're visiting with us, we're delighted to have you and encourage you to come back and be with us whenever you possibly can. We'll be meeting tonight at 6 o'clock as we study and worship together, and it's a wonderful opportunity that always brings us together in that fashion. More will be said about this, of course, but as you go out uh, of our auditorium into the foyer, you will see these uh, brochures, Broadway's, op- uh, Broadway's Forum, Searching the Scriptures Forum, will be conducted uh, beginning September the 11th, Monday night, 7 o'clock, each evening at 7. Brother Robert Johnson, Chris Groda, Sam Wilcutt will be with us. Sam Wilcutt will be speaking for us next Sunday night. And we do that as uh, part of our preparation for the forum, and we invite uh, one of the guest speakers to speak on Sunday evening before the forum begins on Monday evening. Then this year, we're adding this element for our young people, and they'll be meeting earlier, and uh, Brother J.J. Hendricks will be here from uh, the Mount Pleasant congregation to speak to our young people. Nat is working very closely with that, coordinating that effort, and we're glad that we can add that to this element of our forum this year. So I hope that you will participate. I hope you'll take some of those brochures and take them and give them to friends and let them know about our work and what our desire is to study God's Word more perfectly and more accurately and apply it to our lives more properly. Thank you, Scott, for reading that verse, Acts chapter 2. That's a wonderful sentiment, isn't it? The Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. Uh, The Lord added, when they were obedient to the gospel of Christ... They were added to the body of Christ. And as Christians, it uh, means a lot to us to read statements like that from the pages of the Bible. So I selected that as the thought for this morning. You know, the word today is to get modern. The word today is to progress and improve. And it really doesn't matter what discipline you're in. Uh, It could be business or communication or education or even uh, some exploration. Uh, The idea is to improve, and the idea is to get better, and the word is progress. But there's only one real way, spiritually speaking, to make progress, and that is to go backward. When you move and want to go forward, 
spiritually, you're going to have to go backward first and then move forward. Now you're thinking that's a very unusual way to look at it. How can anyone actually move forward by going backward? It doesn't seem uh, proper to think of it in that way. But it's probably not as foreign a concept as you might think. Though it might seem puzzling to us. If you're traveling, and this happens to me all the time, and if you're traveling and you get lost, you're going to have to go back somewhere to a point you're familiar with and then go from there and take the right direction. Or it could be that an army, because of a strategic retreat, orders and regroups in order to fight again and be successful. They have to retreat and come back and then reformulate. And sometimes that's what happens. You know what happens sometimes? Sometimes in a marriage, and a husband or wife, the relationship's on the rocks. Counselors say, if you can get them to go back and think about the way it was before, and the love and the devotion that they had toward each other in those honeymoon years and in those courting days, that then that'll go a long way toward repairing a rocky relationship that they're facing now, to go back and consider the way it was then, and then help repair what they face now. So going back to make progress is not such a novel idea. Going back to make progress and to make forward progress is not something that's so unusual. It's a situation where if we're going to make spiritual progress, we're going to have to go back to the source of it all so that we can do this properly. You know what Jesus said about himself one time? He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Now you'll read that statement in your Bible. It's found in John 14 and verse 6. Jesus is the way. Do you know what somebody wrote about Jesus one time? Jesus the same yesterday, today, and forever. Hebrews 13 and verse 8. Now, Jesus is the life, and no one comes to God except through Him. And He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Then it obvious, is it not, that I'm going to have to respond to Him. In the same way that the Bible tells me to respond, as He has not changed. The Holy Spirit has given me the teaching of the Word of God. And it has explained to me how that I am to respond to God, and respond to Jesus Christ properly. I turn to this interesting Bible passage, found for us, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. In this particular passage, it would give us some serious reflection. Now I would remind you, he says, I want to remind you about something. Of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand by which you were being saved. If you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you have believed in vain. Let me read on another verse or two. That was verse 1 and 2. Verse 3, For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that He was buried, that He was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. Verse 4. It's a great Bible passage. And the Bible passage is saying... 
Now I want to remind you of the gospel which you've received and wherein you stand. They were living it, which saves you. I want you to understand that, and I want you to remember that. Today we preach the same gospel that gives the hope that it gave to them, it gives to us today. The same expectation of a future life which we can share with God and with others. Christ is the life. He does not change. That gospel which was revealed by God the Holy Spirit saves. Therefore, my response to that needs to be the same. That's what I am taught in the pages of the Bible. You can't have progress on that. If I make spiritual progress, it'll be because I went backward. I went back to the original source. You know, the centuries have never been able to improve the sunshine. And the centuries have never been able to improve the pure, clean rain that nourishes the earth. And the centuries have never really been able to improve the wonderful physical blessings which God has given us. You just can't improve on those things. And for me to make progress spiritually, I've got to go backward. And I've got to understand what is taught in the pages of the Bible. And I've got to make a proper application of that to my life and respond to it properly. One of the things I've got to go back to, the source, and do this properly, I've got to go back to obedience. Now, this is not something that's a very popular subject today, but if Jesus is the same and the gospel is the same, then my response to it must be the same. They're requiring me, Bible writers, to have the kind of faith that motivates me to do what God has told me to do. Without this faith, it's impossible to please God. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. When I look upon faith in the pages of the Bible, I'm looking upon a confident trust in God that motivates me to do His will. When God says it, I believe it. And when God tells me to do something, then I am duty-bound to do it. Or, if God has told me not to do something, I am duty-bound to leave it off. Faith. Therefore, being justified by faith, We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Beautiful verse, isn't it? Romans 5 and verse 1. Couched in a discussion of justification by faith, Paul talks about how important it is to have faith. And if I am going to progress in a world that wants to progress and get modern, I'm going to have to go back to the original source of things and do it and believe what they taught me to believe and do what they taught me to do. One of the things that Jesus taught me to do is repent of my sins, Luke 13, 3. I tell you nay, except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. It's essential that I change my heart and mind and essential that I change my way of doing things. If I don't, then I'm not going to be pleasing in the sight of God. And someone comes along and says, well, we've progressed beyond that. Uh, that's something that happened years ago and something that was taught years ago and we've made so many more improvements since then. 
You can't improve on the sunshine. You got to go back to the original source. You got to go back to the giver of life, the one that makes it all possible, Jesus Christ. And Jesus said, You've got to repent. Now, let me spend just a brief moment here because I think this is something that's hard for us to get a handle on. I've got to change my way of thinking and line it up with the will of God. And that means I'm going to change my way of doing. I've got to do more than just change my thinking. I've got to change my thinking, but I've got to change my way of doing. Except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. And if I see a sin in my life that's expressed here in the pages of the Bible, I need to repent of that and get it out of my life. Now, I need to really commit myself to the life that Jesus has told me to live. I confess my faith in Christ. Now, I believe this is the greatest thing that anybody will ever say. I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. That's what Peter said in Matthew chapter 16. He said, but who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And Peter says, you are the Christ the Son of God. You're the one God sent. You're the anointed. This comes up in Matthew 10, 32 and 33. And I think there in that passage, he's talking about a continual commitment that we make each day that we live. It comes up in Romans chapter 10, 32, 8 and 9. Romans 10, 8 and 9. And in that particular passage, I think he's talking about there a commitment that we make before others. I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And without that kind of commitment, I cannot be faithful to the Word of God or faithful to Christ. I'm removing all doubts with regard to the matter of my allegiance. My allegiance is with God and my allegiance is with Christ. And then there's that culminating step. Acts 2 verse 38. You'll hear me reference that verse a number of times because it so succinctly states what we need to do. Repent and be baptized. That is, immersed in water for the remission of our sins. The grammar is amazing there, and you and I have talked about that from time to time. And we've looked at these words and how they're related to each other. And, and those things interest me because it helps me understand what God is telling me to do. I'm talking about if I'm going to move forward, I've got to go back, back to the kind of Bible obedience Christ requires for me and for my life. Now, I live in a day and a culture which is saying, well, we need to move forward. We need to get modern. We need to do this and we need to do that. It's been a great thing that we've had in the past, but now we've got a more modern approach to things. The fact of the matter is, before I can really move forward, I've got to go back, and I've got to go back to Bible obedience, and I keep going back to it and back to it. One of the things I've got to get back to, I've got to get back to the church. This matter of being added, as you saw in our, our scripture reading today, they were baptized. They heard the preaching of Peter, and the Lord added to their number day by day, those who were being saved, they were being added to the church of the Lord. You know, the church is not such an important subject anymore as it used to be, I suppose. Uh, it's kind of fallen on hard times. People don't like to talk about the church. 
as much as we used to talk about the church or the kingdom. The kingdom uh, is not referenced that much. The point of much of the New Testament is to teach me how to live as a member of the church. And much of the New Testament is written from the standpoint of Christian living (laughs) and telling me what God requires of me. I've got to get back to that. I've got to get back to the idea of what it means to be a member of the church and what that church is. I've got to get back to the idea of living life acceptably as a member of the body of Christ. Old Testament, they talked about the church and prophesied about it. Isaiah chapter 2, Daniel chapter 2, Daniel chapter 4. Jesus promised that it was coming. Much of this New Testament describes the church, tells me that it's a body. It's a wonderful way to depict the church. It's the body of Christ. Church membership, you see, very important. But the idea is for me to be in that ark of safety and to live properly as a member of that ark of safety. Ephesians 1, 22 and 23 come to mind. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. So important was the church that he described it as his body. There's no way to separate the head from the body. And Paul in this reference in Ephesians 1, 22 and 23, other passages could be cited. Colossians 1, 18 and various passages talk about this inseparable relationship that Christ has to his people, the called out of God, the ekaleo, the ecclesia, the church, as we've come to translate it. There in turn, it's inseparable. You just can't have one without the other. It's Christ joined to his body. He actually purchased the church with his own blood. Acts 20 and 28. Now you can no more separate my head from my body than you can separate, and it live, than you can separate Christ as the head of the body, which is the church. And I've got to get back to that understanding. I've got to get back to the fact of how important and necessary the church is to be in my life and how much I need that. New Testament Christianity is insisting in the pages of the Bible about this necessary, unique relationship which is inseparable between Christ and His people. And this metaphor that's used, among others, is trying to teach me of my relationship to Christ, my relationship to one another. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, chapter 12, many passages talking about the body and using the body as a way of helping me understand the relationship the church has with each other. No member of the body could say to another member of the body, well, I'm more important than you are, and you're not that important. I'm so important. And so it is with the body of Christ. Why one cannot say to the other, well, I'm more important than you are, therefore you're not of value in the body. That's not true at all. Paul's trying to help us understand how important each member is of the body. He's trying to tell us we cannot be pleasing in the sight of God without this vital link in our life. And I've got to get back to that. I've got to get back to a proper understanding of what the New Testament says about the church and its nature. And for those 
out there who may be listening to me today, you feel disenfranchised. Or maybe you feel dissatisfied. Or maybe you feel disheartened. The church really hasn't become the important and vital part of your life like it really should be. And you're disappointed. And some have actually made the statement, well, Jesus, yes, the church, no. Have never really come to understand. They haven't gone back to the original source in order to make spiritual progress. They just don't understand the vital nature of the church, the people of God. How important it is that Jesus died for the church, shed His blood for the church, and that blood is the sacrifice. We're part of a, the blood-bought church, Acts 20 and 28. And if you feel somehow disenfranchised, disappointed, go back to the source and start reading again what the Bible says about the kingdom and what the Bible says about the church and, and the organization of the church and the importance of the church. And go back and read again about the need of restoring that body of people in doctrine, in worship, in organization in service to his community and to one another. Go back and reread this important matter of God wants his people to be obedient to him, to be following his will, to be loving him, serving him, loving one another, helping one another, and let the church become a vital, important part of your life. And it will become that way if you'll go back and reread these great passages of Scripture and come to understand the source of the matter, and then you can make spiritual progress, then you can grow into maturity. When you go backward first, go back to the source. We're not trying to restore some institutional church. We're not trying to restore some denominational body. Oh, we love those people. But I'm not a member of a man-made church. I'm not interested in it. point of the matter is, I want to duplicate what they had in the first century. I want to involve myself in the same qualities of worship and doctrine and organization and service as these wonderful people did in the pages of the New Testament. I've got to get back to the true worship of the church. I've got to see it for what it is. I've got to understand that the very terms of entrance to membership in the body of Christ are the same terms of Bible salvation, gospel truth. And now I'm worshiping God. And I'm worshiping Him on the first day of the week. Just as I've read in the pages of the Bible, the Lord's Supper is offered on the first day of the week, Acts 20 and verse 7. 1 Corinthians 11, 17 through 34 is a valuable passage that helps me understand that great communion where I now demonstrate my affection and my great gratitude 
for what Jesus has done for me. And I take that bread and I take that cup and I'm remembering his death till he comes again. Matthew 26, 26 through 28. I'm not going to allow the petty affairs of life to interfere with my desire to express my worship and gratitude for what Jesus has done. And I'm going to be here. And I'm going to worship him. And I'm going to take that Lord's Supper just as the New Testament prescribes. And you know what? I love the singing. I love the singing because it's human hearts joining themselves together. The greatest instrument of all is a human heart expressing itself sincerely to God in worship as we have done today. That's what they did in the New Testament. Ephesians 5, 18 through 20. Colossians 3, 16 and 17. Passages you can read from the pages of your own Bible. And I'll tell you something else that happens in worship that means a great deal to me and I know it means a great deal to you. We bow our heads and we close our eyes and from the depths of our hearts we're praying to God. And we're expressing our heartfelt needs in prayer. And we know because we're children of God that we may boldly come before the throne of grace and mercy and allow our petitions to be laid at the feet of God Almighty. And He hears my prayer. I don't have to make an appointment with God to pray. I can pray any time of the day or night. Now, if all I'm going to do is string out a lot of memorized platitudes, then that prayer is not going to get any higher than the ceiling. But when my prayer comes from the depth of my heart, based on the Word of God, God hears that prayer, and He answers it in His own good way, in His own good time, and I wouldn't change that truth for nothing. God answers my prayers. Sometimes He'll say no to my prayer. Looking back on my life, I'm grateful that He did. Sometimes he'll say yes to the prayer. Give me just exactly what I've been praying for. Sometimes he'll say in prayer, Jim, you're going to have to wait a while. Through providential understanding and looking back upon the matter, I can see where God had made me wait a while before he answered that prayer. One of the wonderful aspects about worship is to give back what I have received. And it is an aspect of worship. You and I need to think seriously about this, about our giving. Have we really restored the fine art of giving as we should, where we're generous of heart and generous of mind? 1 Corinthians 16, verse 1 and 2. To give as we've truly been prospered, as we have truly been prospered. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, the largest section in the New Testament about our giving, needs to be studied carefully. It is an item of worship. And we have been involved in that item of worship again this morning. It is important to remember to give back to God. It helps me understand where these blessings have come from. It helps me to remember. I am just in a stewardship type of role here that I am to use this to the best of my ability for the glory of God. And sometimes we want to clutch onto it and hold it just as tightly as we possibly can. But I'm expressing my love for God and my joy that I can give back to God. Only a portion. God has given so much. I couldn't begin to tell you how God has blessed my life. 
And I think if we're honest about the matter and we consider it carefully, we all would feel the same way. God has really blessed us, hadn't He? I'll tell you another thing I really enjoy studying my Bible. You see, I'm trying to get back to true worship. And I'm trying to make progress, spiritually speaking. The only way I'm going to be able to do that, really, is to study my Word. Acts 2 and 42. Studying the Word of God. I've got to truly study God's Word to come to know what God wants me to do. And I tell you, it's going to take all of your intellectual ability, whatever blessing God has given you, whatever talent God has given you, it's going to take everything you've got in order to come to grips with this wonderful Word because there's so much there it could drown the greatest elephant in the ocean. But yet some of it is so simple a little child could come to understand it. Paul would say in 2 Timothy chapter 3, And that from a child thou hast known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation. There are some things there a little child can come to know. But there are some great depths of understanding in the Bible, the revealed will of God, that the greatest minds still wrestle with because it comes from God. And we'd expect that, a revelation that comes from the omniscient God, to be filled with great depths of understanding and knowledge that will take the rest of our lives to wrestle with and come to grips with and try to apply. It is great study to devote your life to the Word of God. And we spend our time studying the Word of God in our worship. And I've got to get back to that. I've got to get back to the true source before I can really make forward progress. I'm going to have to really study this Word like I've never studied it before. And before the day closes, I've got my thumb leafing through these pages, reading and studying. Or it could be when the dawn begins to rise, I'm studying the Word of God, and I'm letting it change my life, and I'm letting God speak through His Word to make me the kind of man He wants me to be. He can make you the kind of woman you ought to be, the kind of husband, the kind of father you ought to be when you study His Word. The kind of woman, the kind of mother, the kind of sister, the kind of wife you ought to be when you're studying the Word of God. I've got to get back to that. If I'm going to make real progress, I've got to go back. I've got to go back to the sunshine, to the pure rain, the source of truth, the Word of God as He has given it. But I've got to get back to the task. You know how easy it is for us to get off point and off task? We get ourselves involved in great works, and we think of them as being very great works, and they are. But the church has a mission. The church has a task. God has given us the mission. God has given us the task. And if we're not careful, we'll get off task. We'll lose focus, and we'll start going in this direction or start going in that direction, which was never really the intent of the church of the living God. We must not allow that to happen. To keep that from happening, we've got to go back to the source and refocus on what God really wants us to do. Live the right kind of way. So much of the New Testament is talking about how I should live acceptably before God and one another. It's so important. One of my favorite chapters in all the Bible, and I don't have the opportunity to speak to it today, is Romans chapter 12. 
That's the greatest chapter on Christian living. Now, there's some that are right up there at the top. Philippians chapter 4, don't leave that one out. Christian living. It's my task. You know, the church can help me in that regard by organizing, by seeing to, overseeing the matter of worship, which encourages me to live the Christian life, and Bible classes which teach me and explain to me just what God expects of me, what I should do, what I should not do, to help me. The church can add a great deal to my life, and it should. But I can help the church. I can add my influence to the church in helping others. And when I'm singing and I'm encouraging them and I'm teaching or I'm studying, I'm helping them understand what God really wants me to do. I have a task. The church has a task. One of the great tasks of the church is for me to share and to teach this wonderful word to others. How can I stand by and watch others go off into error? And I can see it. I can see from the study of the Bible, that is not what God has said. We cannot do that and be pleasing in the sight of God. How can I allow that to happen without saying something, without using some kind of influence, whatever influence I might have, in order to bring that person back to the source, the Word of God? Or just sort of hold my arms together and twiddle my thumbs while the world rushes off into hell. Isn't it staggering the number of people that live in our community? Don't know the Bible. I don't understand it. We have a task. We got to get back to the task. We always must focus on the task at hand to teach others the Word of God and to help us live it faithfully day by day. Before we can make progress in a culture that really foists the matter of progress upon us, we're going to have to go back. We're going to have to go back to the original source and thus learn and follow and apply in our lives as we should. It is God's kingdom. It is God's church. It belongs to Him. It is His doctrine. Every religious practice which is given to us in the pages of the Bible has come from Him. It is my responsibility to worship and to practice what God has given me to do. What shall I do in this matter? If you have doubts about that, then you need to go back and study what God has taught you to learn and study and then start making forward progress spiritually and growing like you should. I've outlined for you already this morning what it means to become a Christian. You need to do that. I've outlined already how important it is to live the faithful Christian life as a member of the body of Christ You need to do that. If there needs to be correction made, let's do it. And don't go out that door and squander a wonderful opportunity to go back and start all over again, which is one of the wonderful things about Christianity. I can become a Christian by repenting out of obedient faith, confessing my faith in Christ and being baptized into Christ, repenting of those sins. 
And then when I fall short, I can start all over again. I can go back to the Scripture and start doing it the way God wants me to do it and follow from there and make spiritual progress and grow as God wants me to grow. And you know what? Go to heaven. And that's what God wants for you and me. He has done so much so that we can. Let's do what we can in order to receive God's grace and be pleasing in His sight. This is our message. This is our task. Let's go back to the source and do it right and do it the way God has taught us to do it. Won't you come today and become a Christian? While together we stand and while we sing.